Morning, LBC 97.3, it's early breakfast with Steve Allen. I can't believe how many people there are outside this morning. It's almost like people have decided to go shopping early. I went round the garden centres yesterday. We're trying to find a tree for my friend Lynn. And uh, whereas me, I go into one garden centre, I see what I like, and I go, that's the one, and I buy it. No, she's comparing prices. So we go to, we go to four garden centres yesterday and we still couldn't get the right tree. And so she'll, she'll make a decision today. Uh, and then she wants to get a piece of carpet for her mum's bathroom. And it's only, it's only a little bit. It's like two metres by three metres or something like that. Anyway, uh, carpet place in Twickenham. Very, very helpful. Offering to fit it. Fitting £35, which I thought was really cheap. And so she goes, I'll just have a look around. Some-. She, d- she doesn't commit herself straight away, whereas I do. I would go £35 fitting. Absolutely. That's the best, best value ever. Best value ever. Uh, talking of best value, we all saw it yesterday. It's good morning. It's nice to have your company. I hope you will. Uh, I did go to the LBC website. I did see the picture of this uh, bloke on the on the on the train, and he didn't have the right ticket. There are various stories. He's he's either saying in some papers that he gave the wrong ticket, in which case all he had to say was, "Wait a minute, I find the right ticket," but that didn't work. So, and then he said he was sold the wrong ticket, as he was drunk. It'd be a little bit difficult to find out exactly what he'd asked for, unless they've got recordings of everybody buying their tickets, which I'm sure they can't have. But um, this guy, Sam Main, is a, a student. He was swearing in front of other passengers. There were young children on the train. He's quite clearly a foul-mouthed little brat. Whether or not his father agrees with that is neither here. I couldn't really give a forex about his father. I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in the fact that people nowadays tend to behave badly, and I don't know what the answer is. My gut instinct would say, well done, to the bloke who came over and offered his assistance and went... You're getting off the train. We don't want to listen to this foul mouth rant. Thank you very much indeed. Picked him up bodily and threw him off the train. Now, one half of me is going, huge round of applause. The other half is thinking, oh, God, he'll be suing. He'll be suing. He'll be taking this to court because, you know, he's a diabetic. All his things were in that bag. His medication, his university notes, his money, his mobile phone and his iPod. Well, then, you know, he should have learned a lesson. I'm sorry we don't want foul mouth yobs on the train. Thank you very much. If you were sitting there as a parent, with with children, you don't hear that kind of language, do you? I find it bad enough when people can't string two words together anyway. Unless I've got it wrong, unless I really, you know, am one of those people who should sit there, keep their mouth shut, and not, not bother with people like that. But well done to the bloke. And British Transport Police confirmed they were investigating the incident, because I don't know what the law is. I don't know what the law is, whether this, this young man is allowed to uh, sort of pursue a grievance against the bloke who threw him off the train. To be honest with you, as most of the passengers seem to applaud, it's on the LBC website. I mean, look at it and then let me know on 0845 because I just, I just don't know on that one. One half of me is going good. It's a story years ago, isn't it, of the, uh, of the young man. Do you remember when mobile phones first came out and yuppies had them? You know, it was, OK, your mobile phone. And nowadays, every, every yobbo under the sun, every drug dealer's got a mobile phone. Everybody's got a mobile phone. We live... For mobile phones. We cannot do without our mobile phone. Our mobile phone, we love. We love mobile phones. We love them because it's got your life on there. It's got all your friends' numbers. Well, they think you're friends. And you could do FaceTime. And, and you can go, look, it's me. Look, and, you, and I'm, I'm waving. Is it FaceTime? F- yeah, f- f- FaceTime is where if you have um, 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 uh, an Apple phone, and I have an Apple phone, uh, I can push a little button on your number, and then I can see you, and you can see me. 
because I've got a camera on the front of my phone and a camera on the back of my phone. So it's a video call, but it's it's really good. It's ab- it's absolutely excellent. I mean, I, I use it constantly. I use it constantly to meet up with people and chat to people and, you know, and sort of build bridges, ladies and gentlemen. Not, not, not very successful bridges, it has to be said, but I do build bridges. So that's why we love our mobile phones. So for this student to say his mobile phone was in his bag and, and all, that, all that kind of stuff, it doesn't really wash with me. But it, it was the story of the boy on the train, and he's, uh, he's on his mobile phone, and the passenger's getting really fed up with it. He's going, yeah, because some people are very loud. Hello, hello. It is a little bit like that, that Dom Jolly thing. And um, eventually, one of the passengers had enough, and he went up. He said, excuse me, he said, is, is that one of the, the very latest mobile phones? And, uh, and the uppie went, yeah, oh, certainly is. It's, it's got all the latest singing, dancing. It's got my music on here and fact files and everything. It's marvellous. So the bloke goes, that's fantastic. Can I have a look at it? So he said, yeah. So he gave it to him. The bloke opened the window and threw it out. And the passengers clapped. And the moral of that, uh, of that little story is, don't use your mobile phone on a train. We don't want to hear your business. Wait till you get off or do it. If anybody phones me and I'm on the train, I either ignore it or I sort of whisper, I'm on the train, you know, and come back. It's very embarrassing. You don't, you don't, want, to, you don't want to go and, and talk to somebody. It's not good. Uh, incidentally, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're thinking and budgeting for your Christmas lunch, this year apparently roast potatoes are out, waffles are in. Waffles are the latest thing and you can do a really cheap Christmas dinner, a really cheap Christmas dinner, and you don't have to worry about the roast potatoes. Now, to be honest with you, you cannot have a roast dinner for Christmas without roast potatoes. It's traditional. You know, it's not traditional to have waffles, which are just over-soaked pieces in cooking oil of, of potato shapes. I mean, you might as well have alphabetti spaghetti with it and have done, because it, it just doesn't work, I'm afraid. I'm looking for something a little bit more exciting for Christmas lunch, so not in our household. Uh, the BBC chief has admitted... Fakery uh, is simply press revenge. The polar bear furor, driven by the hacking inquiry coverage, has just got completely out of hand. They've done it for donkey's years. When you see a spider about to attack something, you can't just sit in the jungle waiting for a spider to come out and attack something. So you dummy it up in, in a laboratory. It's done in the film. That's how they do it. You don't really think that when they filmed Only Fools and Horses, they went to Peckham, do you? I mean, you can't believe that. Sure, you know, whenever you see... Was, was it Lord Grey who made the... Uh, ill-fated sinking of the Titanic. They didn't build a life-size, you know, Titanic and sink it. They built a model and did it in a tank. That's not called cheating. That's called making films. And exactly the same for the polar bear, who's given birth to another cub, another couple of cubs again. So she's obviously very fertile. She's obviously very excited by all the publicity. That's me in the papers. That's me they're talking about. I'm going to have two more cubs. I'm very excited. And so, uh, so there she is. And the other thing is diabetics, I'm afraid, make the, uh, make the news, as we do every day. Although, strangely enough... And I, you might have to correct me, because I'm, I'm, I might have got this one slightly wrong. might have got it slightly wrong. They're actually talking about lifestyle changes can help win the fight against diabetes. 24,000 of us die every year. They say needlessly, because a lot of diabetics are not diagnosed. We're not being given the right medicine. We're not being looked after properly. I think I get, you know, great attention to detail. But they've got a woman doing an injection in her arm. Now, the only reason I mention it is because I didn't think diabetics injected in their arm. It's, we inject in our tummy, and we inject at the top of our legs. And, and they've got a picture here of this woman injecting into her arm. Now, I don't know whether or not there's another set of diabetics out there who inject in their arm, because I thought we just did tummy and legs. I've never met anybody who does it anywhere else. I did speak to somebody the other day, we have a lot in common, uh, who um, who's bruising, because you do bruise on it. But there's a big piece. Actually, strange enough, it's, it's the Daily Express 
who uh, who like these sort of stories. I, I quite like it because if there's loads of people going out uh, and about over Christmas drinking and not knowing that they've got diabetes, then you need to get it checked because it's it can be it can be quite fatal. You have to get it checked. You have to get your eyes checked for glaucoma. You just have to be monitored. I do know this one person who is a little bit naughty in the checking department, so much so that they've now given him, because it is a man, this, this piece of equipment where once he's actually tested his blood, it automatically sends that reading to the doctor's surgery. I mean, how modern technology has changed, which is phenomenal. You, you can have a little, a little thing now where you, you clip it onto you and it injects the insulin that you need into your body without you having to, to get... But, I mean, that sounds... You know, every so often you've got this... I'm not sure I'd want something like that going on. But he, he, he checks the blood, and then the machine automatically, probably via a phone signal or something like that, sends it off to the, to the doctor, and, uh, and they then start... Because he's all over the place. You know, one minute he'll be down at four, and then he'll be up at 29. And you think, I'm, I'm, at least I'm fairly consistent. Fairly consistent. I've, I've never been as low as four. And I think he went to two at one point. And so he, he really is up and down. Up and up. Probably lifestyle, I should imagine. Probably lifestyle. Talking of lifestyles, actually, I felt very sorry for Nathan Layton. Nathan Layton uh, was um, a trainee safari guide. And he's out in South Africa. And he's in this uh, school. He was with his, his uh, girlfriend. They were near Kruger National Park. And in the school, they found a black mamba snake. And so they picked it up with uh, one of the people from the school, picked it up with one of these picking-up type stick things. And he then uh, went to put it in a jar and it bit him. But he didn't know it bit him. He didn't know it bit him. And he said, would, you, would I feel it? Because these things are fast. Like that. He felt the snake brush past him, but he didn't feel anything else. And so the woman with him said, well, do you feel any, any tingling or anything like that uh, in your lips, your arms or toes? And he said, no, I haven't felt anything like that. Strangely enough, within an hour, he said, my, my vision's gone a bit blurry. Within minutes, he was dead. It's that fast, black mambas. I mean, he, he was... They didn't have any antidote there because they weren't expecting that kind of thing. So it's... Do you imagine what, what, what it does to animals? If it can kill a human, this is a, you know, a six-foot healthy person, can kill him in a matter of minutes. Because once it gets into the bloodstream, gone. And he went very, very fast. He didn't have any. And there was no little... Just two little pinpricks on the edge of his finger. Dreadful, really. Dreadful. Quarter past five. These are the headlines you're waking up to. All 57 Liberal Democrat MPs abstained from a House of Commons vote last night, celebrating David Cameron's decision to veto a treaty in Europe. The motion was applauding the Prime Minister for protecting Britain's interests. Five people are now known to have died after a gunman opened fire and threw a grenade at a Christmas market in the Belgium city of Liege. 125 people were injured in the attack yesterday lunchtime. Detectives say the man had a history with police. Banning cheek alcohol will save lives and it must be done quickly. That from some of London's most senior doctors. It comes as figures show every year more than a million people head to hospital because of alcohol abuse and it's linked to 13,000 new cases of cancer. Down to the uh, LBC 97.3 Travel Centre now is Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, Willie. 18 minutes past five. Good morning. Trust you are well. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. There's a horrid little girl in the paper today. Horrid, horrid person. When I first read it, 
uh, I assumed that uh, she wouldn't be having any pictures taken because she's such a vile person. But here she is. She's 13, although she's one of those 13-year-olds with attitude. Her name is Makeda Austin. And she wrote a... She's 13, all right? She wrote a Christmas letter to Father Christmas, threatening to kill him if, if she doesn't get the present she wants. And she's gone even further, a 13-year-old with attitude, quite clearly a very stupid person. Uh, she's said she will hunt down old Nick's reindeer so she can cook them and serve their meat to homeless people on Christmas Day. She comes from Bedford. Her mother, Tracy, found the note... Which end, remember, two of these are your die in Makeda's school bag, but has vowed to try and meet her daughter's demands rather than punish her. When I first found the letter, I thought it was funny, she said. Now I think I'd better get her what she wants. The last thing I want is for her to kill Santa. And uh, the demanding Makeda added, I don't really believe in Santa anymore, but I was angry because I thought I wasn't going to get all the presents I wanted this year. What an ungrateful little old bag. Thirteen years old, with attitude, and ungrateful already. I want all these things, and I don't see why I shouldn't get them. Do you know, if I was your mother, I'm afraid, I'd have stopped Christmas for you this year. What a nasty little person you must be. Thirteen, and you write that. I, I, I wasn't going to get these presents, but now I am. What a horrible person. Fancy giving in to a child in that way. And when I say child, I'm unfortunately, she is a child. She is a child. Unless, of course, I'm wrong. 08456060973. Do you give in to your children for Christmas? I mean, I, I, I always think we, we should just tell fibs. Father Christmas hasn't got any of those this year. He'll have them in January in the sales. Who <laughs> hasn't got them at the moment, though? Why don't you just wait for your Christmas present? Instead, look, there's a satsuma and some oranges and, and some chocolates and stuff like that. Why don't you have that? And you can have a present later on. You know, come, come January, you can have all the presents you've ever, ever wanted. That'd be a nice thing, wouldn't it? I don't think we should give in to people. They shouldn't have to have it on the 25th. Uh, more on the uh, the big man who threw my son off the train, says Dad. Charge him. Charge him. Quite clearly, like father, like son. Uh, the actions were greeted with applause from fellow passengers in a Facebook group called Pay Your Train Ticket or the Big Man Will Chuck You Off has now been set up in his honour. It's uh, Avril Pollock's husband. Says he's, he's a very private person. I've seen the video. Probably been to the LBC website, as you'd imagine. Which it is on. And uh, and they kicked him off. It's fantastic. Get off the train. Get off the train, you foul-mouthed little nasty piece of work. Couldn't care less. I mean, really, the fact you're diabetic has got absolutely nothing to do with it at all. Nothing at all to do with it. And the other thing I want to hear from you this morning is... If you're over 50, have you become more competitive... As you get, apparently, we are told, over 50, we become, or other people who are over 50, become very competitive and willing to take on any opponent who dares to cross their path. Now, I wonder, really, I mean, if, if you think that's a description of the ambitious younger generation, think again. This is the, the 50 pluses, when we are at, they say, our most competitive. Scientists in America, it's always America, isn't it? found that both men and women are more willing to compete with others at the age of 50 than at any other point in their lives. Blimey, I never, never thought about it like that. I mean, not that I'm anywhere near 50, but if I was, you know, I wouldn't be that. Would I worry about that? Do you become more competitive? I think you become a little bit more... I think you... I mean, somebody said to me once... We, we were Strange enough, we were talking about this yesterday. And, uh, and we were saying, as you get a bit older, you become a bit more worldly wise because you can talk about anything. If you're a young person, you actually can't... Well, we don't lose our inhibitions. We never had any to start with, I'm afraid. But, uh, but we're, we're actually able to discuss anything because we've lived longer. 
And so with age comes experience. Not necessarily for everybody. You've only got to look at Amy Childs to realise that doesn't quite pan out or anybody from the only way is Essex. You know, the more, the more sort of stupid you become, the more they want you on the television. If you're an intelligent person, they don't really want you on television nowadays. It, it shows up the embarrassing state of what we laughingly call entertainment programmes in this country. So I, w- I was sort of thinking to myself, as you get to 50, have you become... Are you still working for a start, or have you decided to give up the ghost? Have you become more competitive at work? Do you tend to find you have to try a little bit harder? Do you tend to find that you have to play down the fact that maybe you're in your 50s? Because people don't like the 50s, do they? Even though Sharon Osbourne's in the paper, she says, I'm 59. She says, I'm working as hard as ever. And I spoke to Twiggy the other day, and Twiggy's going to be on In Conversation this week. It's an hour special for Christmas, because she's done so much. And she says at the age she is now, which is over 60, she's working harder than ever. And I've got a sneaking feeling that there's probably quite a number of over-50s at the moment who find themselves working harder and harder and longer hours because it's become more competitive. You're competing against a younger, cheaper market. And the younger, cheaper market... There might not be any good, but it's the fact for some bosses that they are younger and the fact they are cheaper. Cheaper kind of wins at the moment. So I just wonder whether or not, as you've reached 50 or become a little bit over 50, are you more competitive? Are you working more... Or have you started slowing down? People used to work towards retirement. I don't think people want to retire nowadays. I know some people do, but not not everybody. I think a lot of people go, I don't, I don't want to retire. I can't think of anything worse than retire. You've got to keep yourself busy if you're going to go for retirement. So I wonder really whether or not you're one of those people absolutely dreading it. 08456060973 is the number. 08456060973. Uh, Mike says, I've been injecting to my arm since I was 21 when first diagnosed with diabetes and now 33. Always worried about my levels being a smoker and drinker. <coughs> well, I mean, you know, smoking will, will kill you eventually, I'm afraid. Probably not, not quite as quickly as any other, any other thing that, that just going to go. So I've never heard of injecting into the arm for diabetes. I've never heard of that at all. You're, you're taught to do your legs and your stomach uh, in your arm. It doesn't seem to work as much. So well, we found one. Whether or not it's true or not, I don't know, because I've never heard of that before. Every diabetic I've, I've spoken to does it in the, in the tummy and, uh, and in the top of your legs. And you alternate. There's four points. One, two, three. You go round in like a, a circle. You know, one, one side of your tummy and then the other side of your, your belly button. And then down onto the top of the leg and then on the other leg. And that's what you do. So every day it's different. So you don't end up like a pincushion. You don't want to be a pincushion. There's a, a feature today by somebody called Ben Douglas. And they were saying the other day... Uh, about Misha being too black for the X Factor. I'd never heard this at all in my life, actually. I just, I thought the X Factor wasn't about colour. I thought it was about singing. It's a singing competition. It's not about being Miss, Miss sort of Black United Kingdom or anything like that. And, and there's a man here who says he wasn't black enough for Blue Peter. His name is Ben Douglas. He, he, he's, it's a bit of a posy picture, a bit of a poncy picture. And he obviously sees himself as a TV presenter, so he went for a, a Blue Peter audition. And, uh, and he, he claims in this interview here that uh, he, he was down to the final three. And two of them were white, although apparently he never noticed the fact they were white. But I'm quite sure they must have noticed he was black because apparently a chief executive pulled him to one side and apparently said to him, listen, you need to be a little bit more urban because he's obviously terribly well-spoken. And he went on, on a BBC programme and somebody phoned up and was talking about black youth culture without realising that apparently Ben Douglas was black. And so you got that dichotomy. So they, they said to him on Blue Peter, could you be a bit more urban? because they were obviously looking for that sort of... Kind of although, do you know, I watched Blue Peter yesterday. It's a pale shadow of what it was. 
It's really quite depressing now. It's got some girl who's who can struggle struggle through the uh, the uh, the English language, and uh, she's actually going off to I think cycle to the South Pole or something. It's got nothing to do with Blue Peter at all. It's just that these people want to do it, and then they get loads of coverage of the papers. But Blue Peter's just being abandoned. It's 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 almost a wash. In its own emptiness. I feel, I feel so sorry for it. Because I watched a bit of it yesterday and she spent most of the programme plugging her, her little cycle ride and said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in January. The other, the other co- co-presenter has given up completely. He's doing pantomime this year. So perhaps they might as well just fade it out. Because it can't be doing the business now. It's just not interesting enough. It's, it's, just, it's not what it was when you had Val and John Noakes. But that's change, isn't it? That's change. That's where you get used to something. Again, I had this conversation, all these conversations yesterday, about change. And then when, when change happens, we go, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that, that changing. I remember having a producer once, and, and I'd had him for, David, for oh, years and years and years. He went off to be a producer at, at Thames Television. And when he left, like a bereavement... Totally like a bereavement. I mean, it was absolutely awful because if you work with somebody and you work with somebody for a long time, when you're not working with them, it's like, ooh, ooh. And it was, it was awful. And, it, and, there was, and somebody else came in, and I didn't like them at all because, it, because it, it wasn't the same, because I'd had the same producer for years. And, uh, and he knew how I worked and I knew how he worked. I didn't need to say anything. You just have to, you know, there'd just be a little look. And, and, and that would say a million things. And, uh, and we were talking about this the other day, saying, you know, if you work with somebody for a long time and then they, it, they, they all move on, it's, it's a bit... You've got to come to, to grips with it, haven't you? Uh, Steve, I usually agree with you, but read the teen on the train. I can guarantee that if the lad had been a six-foot-three man, that bully wouldn't have gone anywhere near him. Uh, oh, right, so... Ah, wait a minute. Oh, right. So, so if the lad on the train, who was the drunk one, uh, had had been a six-foot-three man, the other one wouldn't have gone near him. You don't think? Probably not, actually. Probably not. But on the other hand, you, oh, you think the other man is a bully. You see, that's why I'm, I can't... Why would you think the other man was a bully? This is a foul-mouthed teenager on a train. A drunk. A drunk. Young children sitting around that he's using every word under the sun. In fact, if you go to the LBC website, they had to put up a sign on it saying, this, this, this actually contains bad... Like, he's, he, he, he isn't a bully, he's a hero. The, 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 the guard came over and said, you have a ticket. He showed him a ticket, went... That's not a valid ticket. That's not a valid ticket. And then the swearing started. So, I mean, I don't think the other man was a bully. He was a hero for taking him off the train. You, off the train, pick up, throw out. Goodbye. You know, go and get another train. Go and do something else. Threw his bag out after him and everybody was very happy. So, I don't think he's a bully. I think if it had been a six-foot-three man... I've seen that on the train before, where uh, the, the guards got on. They used to come around and check tickets. They don't, they don't bother now, do they, I don't think. Most of the sound you hear on the wildlife documentaries is done in the studio afterwards. So all those insects crunching each other up are just a bloke with an apple, says Rob. No, I don't know why people wouldn't, wouldn't think these things were quite normally done. When you see this Total Wipeout programme, where they, they, they film it abroad because of health and safety and they bounce on these balls, they go, Ugh, that's all added on. That's not them making these noises. Oh, it's all added. It's done to enhance the programme. You know when you sit there and you're watching Noel's Christmas presents and the snow is coming down outside? Not real. It's not real stuff, it's paper. It's paper coming down outside. It's done to enhance the programme. I mean, surely people must have realised that by now, unless they are completely stupid. LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company. It's 5.30.
this morning. 28 minutes to six is, uh, is the time. So, are you an undiscovered diabetic? Do you think you're diabetic? Or are you diabetic and it's now changing? Oh, you haven't bothered changing your life. Because apparently it's our lifestyle that is, that is making us iller and iller. And 24,000 diabetics will die next year. Through various things. You know, some people will go blind. Some people just become ill. Uh, some people have a toe amputated. There's all sorts of things that can go wrong if you don't look after it. They did a, a programme looking at young people on the television with diabetes. And there was one girl, and she was quite clearly one of those sort of Friday night drunks and Thursday and Wednesday, Tuesday and Monday as well. In fact, it wasn't a night she didn't go out and get completely hammered and she didn't bother taking her medicine. She said, oh, I can't be bothered taking my medicine. What, what, you know, why would I bother? It doesn't make any difference. Well, actually, it does. They don't, you know, on the NHS, just prescribe medicine just for no reason whatsoever. They give it to you for a reason. The reason is to try and keep you alive. Although, frankly, some people you, you can't really be bothered with, can you? Uh, well done to, uh, to Jan, who's been offered a role at the Olympics. She's one of the volunteers next July, and she's working at the Greenwich Park, where the equestrian events take place. So that's good. Royston here, in our building, he's one of the, the flag, the, the, the torchbearers. He's carrying a torch. I think he just applied for it and got it. So that's that's quite good, isn't it? I'm a bit jealous about that. Mind you, I'd have to do a slow walk with the torch. Not going to be doing any running for anybody. Uh, we, we we found another uh, another benefit fraudster. Her name is Victoria Osduru. You know Victoria Osduru? You must know her. She works at her husband's uh, chunky fish bar in Dagenham in Essex. And uh, over uh, over six years... She claimed housing, council tax payments, as well as income support after saying she lived alone with her two kids. She raked it. She's a thieving little old bag. She raked in £99,000. That's money that could have gone to very good causes. The judge at Snaresbrook uh, said, uh, you must not be surprised if there's an immediate custodial sentence. Fantastic. Lock the old cheat up. Lock her up. But uh, anyway, last night, she was smiling at customers back at the Chunky Fish Bar in Dagenham. Not for much longer, Popsikins. Not for much longer. In prison for you. In chains. Hanging from the wall. £100,000. I'll hang you myself. I'll hang you myself. So if you do go past there, you, when you go past, you go, Boo! Boo! Boo you, you fraudulent cheat. Also makes people feel a bit better about life, doesn't it? I think so. I think you have to tell these people. Uh, 0845 6060 973. There was another, there was another story which Christo mentioned earlier on. I, I got so, so angry about it. I thought I can't even, I don't even mention it this morning. I won't be able to hold back, I'm afraid. And it's the, the thug, uh, who was spared a curfew so he could enjoy Christmas and his birthday or something. And yet he'd, he'd been convicted of all sorts of things. And I thought, why is it that the judges can come down hard on some people? And yet, on other people, we seem to faff around. Well, somebody came into court the other day and they've, they've postponed the case till March. I thought, why can't we have a, a court system, um, a court system that works quite quickly? You go into court and say, well, we're, we're dealing with this now, you're, you're going to prison. Off you go. All this hanging around till March. It's like the people who've been denied asylum in this country. They go, right, if you'd just like to show up at the airport next Thursday, it's the last you ever see of them. You know, they'd have to be stupid to turn up at the airport. Because they get, what? why would I turn up at the airport? I can carry on working here quite easily. It takes them years to find you. And, when, and even when they do find you, you just disappear again. My solution to people who talk loudly on their mobile is a phone blocker. I swear by it. I can sit and cut out any loud blabbermouth loon off while them not having a clue. I thought about a phone blocker the other day. They're not cheap, though, are they? They're not cheap, are they? It's, it's like a little device. I've, I've got a thing that turns off pub televisions. Shouldn't have told you that, but I have. You could buy them ages ago. And it was so you could wind people up when they were watching football in a pub. And uh, they're all saying, yeah, whoa! And then you push your little button and you go, mm -hmm. and the picture vanishes. And that's all, oi, oi, landlord, what's going on here? 
That's always... And, and the phone, phone blocker is a very similar little device, and it blocks the signal. You just push it, and all of a sudden... They can't hear anything, and it's really fantastic. You know, I could sit there and have immense... Oh, I might buy one today, actually. I've, I've decided I've had enough of people putting their feet up on seats. There was some yobbo girl in Starbucks the other day. Feet up. Why is this bad behaviour everywhere? People put their feet up on seats. I felt like saying to... Oi, get your feet off the seats. What are you, five? Oh, dreadful. Especially as they were those horrible, cheap, fake Ugg boots. You can spot the fake ones a mile off. And there was a woman walking across the road the other day over here, and she's wearing a little pair of cut-down jeans with sort of tights underneath and little pixie boots at the bottom with fur round the top of them. I mean, I wanted to say to her, excuse me, are you from the Reaper Barn? But I held back. I was quite, you know, I was quite good. Or failing that, are you out of a window in Amsterdam? But I didn't say that. I just stood there and smiled, thinking, you look like an absolute dork in that outfit. I mean, she probably was in a show in the West End and, you know... Quarter past eight in the morning. She was just sort of going home from that show in the West End. It's a lovely picture. I know many of you will be looking at it and having a good old laugh later on because you're probably thinking, you look so comfy in that. And it's, of his, it's, it's somebody doing drag. And, you know, it's, it's Lulu Walsh. Lulu Walsh is wearing a wig and, and a dress and tights and high heels and carrying a handbag. And apparently it's done for Heat magazine. Although privately I'm inclined to think this is what he wears when he's at home. I think he gets in and puts on the drag. And uh, he says here, <coughs> I texted Cheryl to say I was going to dress as her. She said do it. She'll howl with laughter when she sees it. Yes, everybody else will be going, that's a bit of a worry, isn't it? You know. Elderly man dressing up in drag. You know, we're not going to a show. What on earth possessed you to dress up as a woman? In fact, a little bit of a frightening woman. A little bit of a fright. I don't really know what, what the purpose of it is, but uh, it's, it's, it's slightly worrying, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I can tell you. Slightly worrying dressing up in the, in the old draggy poos, because it doesn't, uh, doesn't look good. So, Merry Christmas to Rob this morning. And... There was another story as well. Oh, this it's the, the Only Way is Essex people. Poor little Joey Essex, who they've called... Who's a pretty girl, then? Because he's, he's slightly not of this planet, I'm afraid. He's sort of disappeared completely. But the Only Way is Essex, they've dressed up. They've managed to find some very big outfits for Arge. And, uh, and they've got uh, Sam for ears and Lydia. I can't remember which, which of them is leaving the programme. Hopefully all four of them, but... You know, we'll have to wait until next year. And they found a dinosaur bone. Do you remember when you got excited about dinosaur bones? This one is unearthed in a back garden by a pensioner. I'm assuming if they've unearthed the bone, and they say it's uh, an iguanodon, it roamed 130 million years ago, if they found the dinosaur bone, the rest of it must be under his house. And would there just be one iguanodon? Do they have to sort of bring the house down and then find the rest of this thing? I mean, surely it's... It's, it's a bit unusual to find it. First thing I thought of when I read it was, it's a fake. That's the first thing I thought of. I thought, it's a fake. So, man on the train, did he do the right thing by throwing the kid off? Or should he have just have sat down and said nothing? I'm in two minds. To be honest with you, if I'd been sitting on the train, I would be closing my ears, probably thinking, I wish you'd stop swearing. I wish you'd stop swearing. Some people just can't help themselves, though. They can only have a conversation if they swear. And this, this drunk young man, an embarrassment to everybody, I'm afraid, didn't have the right ticket quite clearly. And, um, and the guard said, well, I'm not, we're not going anywhere, OK? You're either getting off the train or, you know, or we're, we're just stopping here. We'll wait. I don't care. And he said, I'd have waited all night if necessary. How that would have held up the rest of the network, I have no idea. Until this bloke gets up, 
this good Samaritan, da, 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 God for Harry, England and Sir George, and he picks up the yobbo and throws him off the train. Yahoo! Everybody clapped and cheered, and parents everywhere went, thank goodness we got rid of him. Uh, the yobbo tried to get back on the train again, but uh, he didn't get very far. Then they threw his bag off as well, which, according to his papa, uh, had his medicine in because he's a diabetic, and it had his money in and his phone and everything. It was just a nightmare, really, and probably makeup and, you know, all sorts of things. But anyway, they threw him off the train, and that was good. But if you have a look at, at the video, you, you can't help but think everybody can now get on with their lives, because too much of our life nowadays is blighted by people who don't know how to behave. Paul says... Uh, as you say, if the guy's diabetic, they're not totally having to abstain from alcohol. He should watch his intake. Illness is no excuse. My biggest worry is that by his actions, he will put people off helping folk who are genuinely going into a hypo. I know before now that uh, while queuing, you've not felt too clever. My dad is in the same boat. Your friend must be very extreme. Dad normally between four and seven, but one hypo did go down to two. And have to say, says Paul, still very surprised by the continuing fuss over the BBC Nature video. To be honest, rather than be angry over the so-called fake footage, I'm more enraged over the huge amount that got frittered away with Consider Yourself Christmas trailer. Wouldn't mind, hardly original. Woolworths were doing much the same thing 30-odd years ago. Yes, I mean, it's a terrible waste of money, isn't it? But the... uh, Well, I've not met anybody who seriously thinks that the faking of the wildlife things is something to even shout about. It's gone on for years. In fact, they've done features in the paper about the the wildlife unit down at Bristol where they can they have tanks and they can film close up with animals doing what they would do in the wild and then they just superimpose it. What's the matter with that? They're showing you what, what goes on. You're expecting them to be bitten just to prove that this is what happens when a snake, you know, dives at you. Perhaps perhaps some of these people are. I don't know. Uh eight four eight five oh and uh Trevor says, I just woke up and got quite excited when I heard you talking about the clip on YouTube about somebody in Scotland being thrown off the train for not having a valid ticket. I viewed it. What a disappointment. I thought the train was travelling at 100 miles an hour. That would have made it marginally more entertaining. I agree with you. So you sort of hang them outside, like sort of on the, the mail train, and it just collects them as you go through a station. That would be very interesting, wouldn't it? But, but uh, was I right in thinking that he did the right thing? I'm not sure whether or not I... I'm, I should be clapping or saying, oh, that's terrible, this, this, this poor young man thrown off the train. But if I was sitting on there and had young children, as indeed they were opposite, listening to this foul mouth rant, I couldn't care less whether he's a diabetic or he's got some terminally ill. It, it makes no difference. It's not an excuse nowadays. You can't use illness as an excuse. Well, I don't think so, anyway. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 08456060. 973. And will you be giving to charity this Christmas? Apparently it's more and more people have decided that it is a little bit self-indulgent to be looking after oneself all the time. I wonder whether or not you will be making donations to charity. Do you have particular favourite charities? Are you swayed by things that you read in the newspapers? Are you swayed by things you see on television? Are you swayed by the chuggers that you meet on the street? Do let me know, because I, I, I think... And Lulu and I, uh, Lulu and I, uh, Twiggy and I, it's all these one-word names for these people, Twiggy and I decided that in this country we're very, very good at giving. I myself am much more of a giver than a receiver. And, and I just, I like the idea. It makes you feel good to give. 
You know, doesn't it? Doesn't it just get a little glow inside? You think, well, I've done something good today. It might not have been, you know, particularly brilliant for the rest of my life, but I've, I've tried to make a, a little bit of an effort. And if you give to charity and, uh, and you do it on a regular basis... I don't do it on a regular basis. I, I really don't. It, it's as the mood takes me. <coughs> Excuse me. It's obviously not too well this morning. But it, it's as, as the mood takes me at the moment. And, and I think coming up to Christmas, I don't give to anybody sitting in a doorway. I don't give to anybody with a dog. I don't give to anybody who goes as they're walking backwards. Have you got two minutes? Because I haven't. I really don't have time for these people at all. If anything, I try and trip them over. Because uh, I think to myself, you know, I just want to say to them, so you're earning £10 an hour, are you? Don't you feel awful? Don't you feel guilty about the whole thing? I realise that, you know, charity is the big word nowadays, but uh, not for me, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm a little bit more cynical, a little bit more open about it. Anybody just sitting there on the ground, have you got s- some money? No. But why is it, the moment they actually sit on the ground, they lose the inability to speak... And also the inability to stand up. They have to... Have you got, got 10p? No, I haven't got 10p. Where, what do you want 10p for? I think get a cup of tea. Well, where, where are you getting a cup of tea for 10p? It's ridiculous. There's loads of charities around here that give food to the homeless, you know, for free. But they don't want that. They want money. And it's, it's always a bit disappointing. Sadly, uh, Leia Beth Richards. Do you remember the girl who wanted her cancer treatment stopped because it was too painful? I don't want it. She passed away the other day. Five years after refusing her cancer treatment. So uh, we send wishes to uh, her parents. She made a decision, very brave decision, very, very brave decision. But sadly, the other day, some more complications set in and she lost her battle. Quarter to six. These are the headlines this morning on LBC 97.3. After his controversial EU treaty veto, David Cameron faces Prime Minister's questions at the Commons later. His coalition partners are angry over his handling of the Brussels summit. Last night, all 57 Liberal Democrat MPs abstained rather than back a motion congratulating the Prime Minister for protecting British interests. Images of 213 people who are still wanted in connection with the riots in August have been put online by the Met Police. It's part of a campaign to catch offenders in the run-up to Christmas and comes after officers studied 200,000 hours of footage. And 19 medical specialists say thousands of lives could be saved if cheap alcoholic drinks were made more expensive. They say pocket money prices must become a thing of the past and have urged the government to bring in a minimum price for alcoholic beverages. Check on the roads in the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre. It's Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. Morning, 11 minutes to six. Andy Hughes sent me a, uh, I was going to say a birthday card, a Christmas card. He was one of our newsreaders at LBC. And uh, he's continuing with his cancer treatment. And he's now studying for his MA in history. So hope you have a, a blessed, peaceful Christmas. And I've got a Christmas card all the way from Ohio. James and Jill, avid podcast listeners in Ohio, USA. And thank you, incidentally, for all your Christmas cards. I bought two new Christmas card hangers the other day, and they're all going up. And to Peter and Karen, the sprouts arrived. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. We looked at the package and thought, wonder what that is. And uh, we opened it went, oh, look, sprouts. It's nice. Morning, Roy. Morning, Steve. How are we? I'm good, thank you. Well, I can't work out if Christmas is just going to move a bit too fast this year, if we're going to be in for a really bad winter, or if it might go away and we'll have a heat wave. Well, if we're in for a bad winter, I'll talk to you about two charities I've given money to for about the last 15 years. All right. Shelter and the Salvation Army. OK. Why, and why, why did you pick them? Well, because I'm in a lucky situation. I always have a very nice, warm and comfortable Christmas. Mm. And Shelter and the Sally Ann look after people much less fortunate than I am. Right. So how long have you been giving to them? 
About 15 years, I think. But I guess I'll give £25 to each. Right. And you do, do you do that anonymously, or...? Uh, well, I do it online now. Um, oh, right. And they always, both of them always send me a nice little email back thanking me. Yeah. But, but I mean, previously, I used to do it by, over, by phone using my credit card. So they, they know it is, but, I, I mean, I never ask for any sort of glory from it, if you like, yeah. or any special recognition. It's just that, I mean, one Christmas I was working in London, we had a very, very nice meal, and we all got slightly tipsy. And I walked along Fleet Street, and there was a bad lady sat in the shop doorway with a Sally Ann looking after her. And I thought, right, they're doing a good job for these people at Christmas, which is what I give to them. Yeah, you, you tend to forget a lot of people, you know, there are people out there, there are some, you know, lots of, lots of very seriously ill people, genuine people out there, and there are lots of people who, who, who ruck the system a bit. But when it's freezing cold, I wouldn't want to sleep on the streets, thank you. No, me neither. And you have to get into some of the hostels very early, because if, if you don't get there, we don't have enough beds for everybody. Anyway, Steve, nice to talk to you. Thank you, Roy, very much indeed. So, Roy, I, actually, I put £10 in an envelope the other day for the Sally Army, because somebody sent me a fiver, and, and I thought, I'm going to put that in an envelope. And lo and behold, I get home, and there's an envelope from the Sally Army with, you know, can you spare a few pounds or whatever. So uh, I'm determined to do it. So I did it the other day, actually, and I added another fiver to it, popped it in an envelope, no note, no nothing like that, and just shoved it in the post. And I put a stamp on, because they say if you put a stamp on. I'm only asking you whether you give to uh, to anybody at this particular time of year, because I, I, it's, it's almost, it's a, it's a bit of a guilt factor. It's a little bit of, uh, you know, to give to somebody less fortunate than yourselves. And I see so many people who are less fortunate than myself, and, and I feel it's necessary to give. Not, not huge, huge amounts. You know, I'd, I'd quite like to be one of those philanthropist people. Are they, are they philanthropists? People who just, who sort of, you know, benefactors, and you say, you know, this year I'm going to pick a charity. I mean, I can't cope with people who, who come up to me in the street and rattle boxes. I, I can't do rattling boxes, I'm afraid. I have to sort of wait till I get the urge. It's like buying a house or buying a car. You know, you look at loads of houses and then there'll be one that leans out and goes, buy me, buy me, buy me. And you have to go for that one. Or cars, you look at hundreds, they all look the same. Till you see one, you go, that's my car. It's like Christmas trees. You're all going out buying Christmas trees this time of year. That's why I ask whether you have particular charities and whether or not you do give, because it's, it's very easy to get caught up in the whole charity thing. I think you have to, to pick a charity or two, as in Roy's case, two charities, and just stick to them. And you have to you have to sort of let the other ones sort of find their own uh, feet. Kevin the Milkman says, "Are you telling me after the polar bear documentary when somebody gets shot on television, they're only holding their breath?" Yes. Although, don't you watch that? Do you watch that whenever somebody gets shot in something and you think, "I'm going to wait"? I wonder how long you can hold your breath for as the camera passes over. You think you're going to breathe, and then sometimes I've seen people breathe. You think, "But you're supposed to be dead." It's, it's how they make programmes now. I think the Mirror would just... They, they couldn't think of anything else to write about. Now that the phone hacking turns out that Millie Dowler's phone wasn't hacked. Wasn't hacked. And obviously somebody must have known it wasn't, but they all went along with it. Did they, did they get compensation? I thought there was compensation that was offered. Was it £2 million or something was talked about? If it turns out that the phone cut the things off themselves, it, it's an automatic cut-off because they were saying it had been hacked into. Now they're saying it wasn't. So um, I don't know what happens in a situation like that. Because we were trying to work out how long messages stayed on the phone before the phone deleted them. On some phones, they stay there until the phone box gets full up, then you have to delete them. But on some of them, it might be automatic. They stay there 72 hours and then they go. I don't know. 
Uh, Chris says, I would have thrown the lout off the train of any size, but then I am six foot two and heavily built. An ex-doorman. I threw two guys off a bus who pushed my wife aside. They're so rude. I saw somebody the other day. It must be us in this country. I think we're actually polite. You know, ladies get on the bus first. No, this bloke pushed in front of this old lady. I want, And he was, a, you know, a, a, you know, not a, an old man, not a young man. He was kind of in the middle. Early. I wanted to drag him off the bus and say, excuse me, mate, have you seen these ladies standing here? Where's your manners? Dreadful. Well, I didn't do that because you never know. People might nowadays produce guns or knives. Look at that, that Christmas market in Liege where some bloke who's a convicted sex offender known to the police was going in to be discussing something else with them decides to throw a hand grenade in and um, and then open fire and that's at a Christmas market dreadful Julie says morning Steve my aunt and uncle retired at 50 but to keep active they treated their retirement as a job so they got up early Planned the days. Keeps them both healthy and happy and into their late 70s. One says, I'm 50 now. Really enjoying it. Working hard and enjoying the fact that I'm more experienced. Because I was asking whether or not, you, as, as you get into your 50s, it's as, it's as good as, as you think it's going to be. You know, is it as good? If, if you retired, is, is the retirement as good? Or if, are you thinking, I wish I'd never retired. I wish I'd, I was happier working. Because that's what you've got to do. If you retire, you have to, you have to make sure that you keep yourself busy. So I like that idea that the aunt and uncle retiring at fifty, but then treated the retirement as a job, and so get up every morning and plan the day. Right, today we're going to paint the shed, or today we're going to do the garden, or today we're going to do something. You have to do something, don't you? Just just to keep the brain active. Uh, Mark has raised money several times for different charities. I even did a stint outside Asda for the Poppier Field. I feel better for it all afterwards. You see, it's good. It, it doesn't take much, does it? You can. A lot of people that we've spoken to over the past uh, couple of weeks or so have been uh, donating their their time over Christmas to serving Christmas lunch to people who normally wouldn't have a Christmas lunch, and they felt better doing that. You can have your own family Christmas any time you want, but to go and help other people less fortunate than yourselves is is always something good. And it, I think it does give you a warm glow. It's like when I open my my, my cupboard upstairs and I. I, I get a chocolate bar out, you know, and sometimes there's a few people in the newsroom where they get they go. Steve's actually got his chocolate cupboard open, and uh, and I'm more than happy to share. I'm, I'm more than happy to share. Uh, Farah, morning. Good morning, Steve. Morning, morning. I'm good, thank you. Tell me about the phone messages. Uh, I think it was uh, on your program uh, a couple of weeks ago. Somebody said uh, somebody, some expert, telecommunication expert, said that the messages, if they are uncollected, it stay on the system for six months. Right. But if you don't collect them, or if it gets collected and you read them, then it, st- it goes to the archives for seven years or so, five years or seven years or something. Oh, there's an archive? It, yeah, it, it stays there for, for a very long time because of legal reasons. Gee, I never knew that. So, so, in other words, all the messages that I've, I've deleted from my phone, are, are they stored somewhere still? They're still stored somewhere. Good Isn't Lord. it amazing? Well, it must be an enormous repository. There must be millions and billions of messages. It can't be a God. lie. Because, it can't be a lie because uh, it was on LBC and I don't listen to anything else. Well, of course not. I mean, a very wise person. A very wise person. Farah, thank you very much indeed for that one. So that's what. So they get stored. So they can they can check things out. 
I know that there are, there are certain things that you can do and you can sort of find out where a phone message has come from because you can track the phone via the uh, the phone provider. It's a signal that you can track. So never never think, yeah, it's just it's GPS kind of system, isn't it, I think. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to hear from you this morning if you're one of these uh, people who is retired now uh, and keeps themselves busy or if you're one of these people who gives to charity on a regular basis. I'd very much like to hear from you, especially coming up to Christmas, and it's supposed to be the time, because I think we're, we're, we're great givers in this country. If you're, a, if you're a newly diagnosed diabetic, and if you inject in your arm if you're a diabetic. I've never heard of the injecting in the arm. Never heard of that at all. And have you ever been to a psychic? I only mention it because barking mad Sally Morgan's at it again, giving answers to the unexplained. In other words, it's a load of old codswallop. But apparently, if it makes people feel better, then that's OK. There's no evidence that Sally has any more talent than any of you out there. It's just that she's, she's channelled it into uh, making money out of audiences. Somebody here. We've just moved house due to my health problems. Do you see any happiness or luck coming our way? Now, I wanted to write back to this woman and go, no, nothing at all, I'm afraid. Absolutely nothing. It's a, it's a year of sheer misery. But no, good old Sally... Sally Morgan to the rescue, caring, sharing. Sally Morgan says, set yourself a challenge. And I, it's just pure utter codswallop, she writes. So I'm, I'm saying to this woman, it's, it's like there's another one here. I miss my grandfather. He passed away two years ago and I never said I love you before he died. Can you tell me if he knows I loved him? I want to write back and go, no, he never knew anything like that at all. <laughs> just, to, just to put the cat among the pigeons. Have you ever used a psychic? Have you ever, was it a bit of cold reading? Do let me know. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's uh, it's Wednesday morning. It's ploughing on, isn't it? We've only got 12 days to Christmas. 12 days! God, we've not even plucked a turkey. I don't know what we're going to do. On FM. Morning. It's eight minutes past six. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC 97.3. It's nice to have your company this morning. We're talking about uh, do you give to charity... Especially over Christmas. It's the time when, when you're supposed to give a little bit more, give a little bit back. And if you're over 50, you're coming into your own now. Because at work, in the workplace, you're more competitive. You're working longer. You're working harder. You might not be as cheap as some of the younger people, but you're certainly better value. Because you know exactly what you're doing. You're more experienced. So that's what we're finding out today. And uh, also, if you're a, a newly diagnosed diabetic... And, or if you're a diabetic who injects in their arm, I want to hear from you, because I've never heard of that one before. But there's a picture in the paper today talking about 24,000 of us will die next year. I'm hoping I'm not on that list. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If, if you're managing it, if you're looking after it, or you're a little bit, little bit lax and you don't do your tablets and your medication, uh, 0845 I'll give you a rundown on what Nick Ferrari's doing after the news at 7 this morning. Special guest in doing the papers. Tell you about that after we've spoken to... Uh, let's go to Roger. Hi, Hi, Roger. Morning. Oh, uh, I was 60 a couple of months ago. All right. And, I, and I'm retiring on Christmas Eve when I give the keys back to the premises I've been in since mid-80s. Good Christmas Eve, you're going to retire? Oh, yeah, yeah. I oh, think right. it's been planned for months. Yeah. I'm, I'm much calmer since I knew I'm, I was going to do it. Oh, right. <laughs> but I've been in the same industry for 44 years. And Which I've just is? Had enough of it. Which is? In the, in the motor trade. Right. And you've all, had all enough. Aspects, mind you. Yeah. But I should get up every morning and take the dog out, and I will find things to do. Yes, that, well, that's the key to it. I'm told. Oh yeah, I'm still still very fit for for, for sixty. Yeah. I mean, some people say I don't look it. Like do, you know, six, do you know sixty now, Roger? What do you mean? Like, I'm a good self, you cheeky devil. You, you chuck that well, one in. Well, you don't look fifty. <laughs> I'm 43. I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> I live in hope. I li- no, the funny thing is, it's a state of mind, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I think today 
going back when I was a kid, 60, people were old. But yes. nowadays, 60, you're not old anymore. No, 60's young. In fact, even, I, I know 70 and 80-year-olds, and they're still bright as buttons. Well, I'm going out shopping with my mother today, Christmas shopping, and she's uh, 83. You see? And uh, we should go out and have lunch, but I've got a driver and listen to her going on, but there we go. <laughs> listen, it doesn't matter. It's worth every day. Every day that you get with your mum, you absolutely have to value it. Roger, thank you for that. So uh, he's looking forward to the retirement on Christmas Eve. Blimey. Tony! Morning, Tony. Hello, Steve. Morning. Uh, yes, I'll just pull up. I'm just pulling up. All right. Up. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Hayes at the moment. Oh, right. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm uh, past 65. And I'm still working, just finishing now. And uh, it's not through uh, wanting to carry on for the money or anything. Mm. It's just um, you plan for retirement. And unfortunately, the way things have gone in this country in the last five or six years with the previous government, that we plan to go and everything. Just, I can't just sell my property or anything. Mm. I, I live in Spain, but it's two. Can I have two quick words with you? Yeah. You were talking about the other morning about things what uh, years ago what we remember when we were younger. Yes, yes. We were talking about the jingle of milk bottles. Yes. Well, you used to work at McVitie's. Yes. Well, when I was a kid, I used to live around the corner and I used to jump on the milk float with the milkman. And <sighs> he had an old horse and cart. He used to come out of Lambton, the old Express. Yes. And I used to have to, my mum used to make me pick up, take the bucket with me, and I had to take the, pick up the horse doings. That's right. And to put around her, uh, her hydrangeas. Strangely enough, funny you should mention that, I, I was watching the um, Steptoe and Son movie the other day, and yeah. and that's what they've got. They've got a bucket on the back of the horse and cart. And another, another two, two quick ones. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know obviously, back bitches. Mm. There's a crate of shops opposite there. You yes, the yes, I do know, yes. Our shop on the right-hand side, that used to be the newsagents, I used to do a paper around there, and what you don't get now is the old smell of the tobacco. When I used to go in there as a kid, and I used to sell the tobacco in the in the glass jars. It was loose. It was loose tobacco. It's a lovely smell when you used to go into the shop. Yeah. Actually, um, funny, funny you should mention that, Tony, because also people, you just better go into the little Lipton's corner shops, and they would sell you a slice of bacon. That's right, yeah or, yeah. or two eggs or something. You didn't need to buy a whole packet of it. Well, can I just... One, one more question. Yeah, all right, have a quickie. I, I wrote to you last year, I wrote you a letter last year. Whether you received it, I don't know. I've done it personally to you at LBC. What's mm. name? I've got a massive Christmas tree in my... It's 20 foot now in oh my, my front garden. <laughs> and I wrote to you. I don't know whether you received the letter. You know, I didn't get a reply. But I offered it to you. If somebody, if you wanted to auction it around to the big hotels or something, oh, wow. eighteen foot, and whatever you made out of it to donate the money to the London Child, oh, you know, London Child. Have a if word you, with the with the with the charity. Phone up the charity today. Help a London Child. They're there all all the time, and there there'll be somebody that. there, and they they'd be thrilled with something like that. Well, what I was thinking now is probably next year. Yeah, next. I think you're, you're right. A little bit too, a little bit too sort of too late for this year, but probably next year. But you, you can phone up the building, or you can, uh, yeah, phone up actually is probably the best way, and contact Help a London Child. you find all the details on the, on the website, and they'll, they'll be more than happy next year. They're always looking for new things. Always looking for new things. That's lovely. Thanks for that, Tony. Over 65, still working. I, re- I read a small piece in a, in a paper the other day, and it was only as I was, I was going home, and it appeared in the Metro, 
and it was a story of a, of a journalist who died after a street attack in New Zealand. Uh, Philip Cottrell was found with serious injuries on Saturday near the Wellington offices of Radio New Zealand where he worked. Philip Cottrell used to work for LBC for many years. I knew Philip Cottrell and I had to go onto the website to find out if it was, if it was the same Philip Cottrell. It sadly was. And, uh, He's, uh, he's died at the age of just 43, so I send commiserations to his family. He was one of a long list of people whose uh, names appear on this roll call that we have every so often. And Philip, Philip Cottrell was one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Quarter past six. LBC 97.3 Would you love to get your hands on a brand spanking new Mini, but think that the payments would be too expensive? Well, you'd be pleasant. <laughs> Good morning, 19 minutes past six. Very quickly, if you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, you can see that picture of the man objecting the yobbo, e- ejecting the yobbo off the train, which is what we're talking about this morning, as well as loads of other things. Uh, plus, if you go to the presenter page, Steve Allen, we've got that nice little video extolling the virtues of Twickenham. Plus, we've got part two of the, uh, of the photo spread, me dressing up in pantomime costumes, courtesy of our friends at Angels. Thank you very much indeed, Mark and Tim, for that one. And there'll be another, another lot to go, another two lots, I think, or another one and a half lot, something like that. Uh, but if you go to the LBC website, you can check out that little, that little video that we made. Uh, it looks very pretty, actually, Twig. It always looks very pretty. <laughs> it always looks very pretty. You don't see all the mess from the ducks and everything else, but the rest of it is really quite nice. So check that out. With Nick Ferrari on The Breakfast Show this morning, looking at the papers, the former chief of police for Los Angeles and New York, Bill Bratton. Uh, you'll be finding out his thoughts on how the Met dealt with those London riots, what his relationship is, I suppose, with David Cameron, and what, and what challenges the police in the UK are now facing. So uh, Bill will be in the studio. And Nick's also going to be looking into this report on why men could face criminal charges for bullying their partners. All of that and more after the news at 7 this morning on LBC 97.3. Uh, we'll talk about diabetes as well. 24,000 diabetics will die next year, needlessly, because they're not looking after themselves properly. They uh, either haven't been diagnosed. There are lots of people with diabetes who don't know they've got diabetes. And then the picture they showed in the paper is of somebody injecting in their arm, which I've never even heard of. But Scott's going to tell me now it's quite normal. Morning, Scott. Morning, Steve. How you doing, mate? I'm fine. You inject in your arm? Not all the time, but every now and then I inject in my arm. Do, do they tell you to do it in your arm? When I first became a diabetic, well, diabetic a long time ago, yes. That was back in Friday, the 29th of February, 1980, I was diagnosed as a diabetic. And are you, you type 2 or 1? Type 1. You're type 1. I've, I've never heard of doing it in the arm. I've never heard of it in the arm. I what was only taught... Backside? No. <laughs> no. I'll, tell you what's hard, I'll tell you what's fun to inject over the backside. You but I've never cat. heard of that. But what, what, what insulin are you on? I'm on uh, Nova Rapid now and Lantis in the evening. Right, I do Lantis in the evening as well, and I'm on a very fast one lunchtime. Yeah, same here. That's apparently, there's a, Nova apparently there's a huge shortage of it coming up. Oh, don't say that. Well, no, the, no, there's only a shortage in so much as everybody, everybody wants that one at the moment. Oh, God. And so I've been no, prescribed I've, another oh, one. When I first became a diabetic, I had, like, the old-fashioned glass syringe of a stainless steel... Uh, needle, oh, right, yes. sharp and what lot. All the disposable stuff wasn't about then like they are nowadays. And now it's but, easy, isn't it? Yeah, but now, then, I was told, in me thigh, in me stomach, Ooh. in me upper arm, and in me backside. But doing in me backside, I run around in circles trying to catch up <laughs> with bloody bum. Like well, the trouble is, I help. can only do, I can only do, what well, I was taught by my diabetic nurse, it's stomach, uh, either side, and then top of the legs. And it's only well, when I saw I've this picture in the Express... Oh, I've been told different now. Oh. You can go right up to 
suddenly if you rib cage. Really? Right down to your thigh. Anywhere Ooh. in that stomach area. I'm going to have to check this again, because I, I've but been also, doing the same for years. But the main thing, you keep checking the same place, which I've done one time. No, no, you're not. No. You get, you get like a scar tissue. Yes, like absolutely. No, no, no. That, that's why they say rotate. And also, yeah. because you can actually get bruising as well at the same time. And the bruising is the thing that took me ages to get used to. So, well, you told me something new today. I've never heard that before. I have to go back to the doctors now and say, can I do it in my arm? Not that I want to do it in my arm, because it's not... Oh, no, I don't want to think about that one, actually. I like to say... Although, I spoke to somebody the other day who didn't like to look where they were injecting. I said, no, I do look. I put, put my glasses on. I like, I like to see. It's a worrying thing, isn't it? It's very worrying. Have you been to a psychic recently? Do you go to psychics on a... Re- I know, I bet a few of you go to cyclists... Uh, cyclists? Psychics on a, on a regular basis. You know, some people cannot get through their lives without, without going to... Uh, Cyclists. Uh, I give to the NSPCC, says Carol. I'm also helping out this year, Crisis at Christmas. Uh, one here says, Steve, instead of Christmas cards, I told my students I was going to give to Centrepoint, who help young people who are living on the streets. The students then raised another 30 quid among themselves to add to it, which is good. And uh, Julie says, I haven't used a psychic, but I always like reading Mystic Meg. You know, she used to be a secretary at the News of the World, Mystic Meg. And then they, uh, June Penn retired. And so they went, we need to come up with somebody. Oh, you'll do it. So they, so they take this woman, they give her an acrylic wig. And, uh, and she becomes Mystic Meg. She didn't know anything about it. But apparently anybody can do it. It's, it's, it's dead easy to do. So she, she started doing it. And then she got the lottery. And it was a green door that we saw today. And, of course, I was thinking, it's, you could say anything, couldn't you? It's a pink door. There'd be somebody going, it's us, it's us, it's us. It never was, I'm afraid. Ros says, Steve, Steve, Mum's district nurses often gave her the jab in the arm. Oh. See, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not up to speed on this one. I'll have to check. Mr. Shah will probably say, you could probably do it in your arm as well. It probably wouldn't make too much difference. Let's face it, you have your flu jabs in your arm. Why can't you do your insulin? Uh, Brian says, I walk right past one of your chuggers. They're not my chuggers in Twickenham. Gives me great pleasure to see him getting smaller and smaller as the bus pulled away. You see, I like that kind of thing. I see in the Daily Mirror today, Christina Rianoff. Oh, shut up, woman, honestly. She's the one who went out with Joe Calzaghe, the meeting of the minds. Uh, the secret of my chemistry with Jason. You're just a ballroom dancer, dear. That's all you do. Everybody's got chemistry, you know. I even have a slight bit of chemistry with the producer this morning. It's not too much chemistry, you know. Not exactly sort of picking out curtains or nothing like that. But, I mean, it's a kind of thing, you know. The, luckily, there's a piece of glass and about 20 feet separating us, which is, I think, is about as far as I can go now. So there's no secret of chemistry with Jason. It's just that you sort of think you're the sexiest thing on legs and I just think your hair looks shot through, you know. But that's just my opinion, isn't it? Luckily, we're all allow- allowed an opinion. I can't get over the picture of Louis Walsh in drag. You can't help feeling he's done it before. You look at the picture and it's just something about him. It's just, he's taken it a, a little bit too well. A little bit too well. June! Good morning, Steve. Morning, June. Morning. Um, a psychic. Mm. Um, I've got a friend who's forever telling me she's a medium and I've told her, no, she's not. She's an extra large. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> the old oh, one's the dear, best. blimey. Wait a minute. Let me just pull another Christmas cracker and find <laughs> another one of those. Oh, dear. Um, she asked us to cater for one of the functions they were doing where they had lots of different mediums and psychics going along. So. They do them in pubs, don't they, or then scout No, halls. This, this was in a, a hall somewhere over in Abbey Wood. Oh, right. Um, and we were doing the catering, and as I was laying out some of the food, this guy came up and tapped me on the shoulder, and so I said, yes, can I help you? And he went, I hope you don't mind me saying, he said, but I've got a message from your dad. And my first thought wasn't, oh, how wonderful, or I wonder what he's got to say. It was, blimmin' cheek, why can't he just come and tell me himself? <laughs> <It was laughs> Is he, he, has, he has passed over, has he? Oh, yeah, he has oh, passed right. over, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought you could just say, sitting in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, he'd, he'd been passed over for a while, and I was quite annoyed at the message he gave me. If it, if it had have been a message from my dad, I would have wanted to know something other than what he had to say. There were other things that were unresolved that I would have been more interested in. Sorry? What did he say? Well, my aunt had recently broken her arm, and while her arm was in plaster, her husband had died, and I'd helped her with her shopping and right. planning the funeral and what have you. And the message was, your dad says he's very grateful for all the help you've been giving his sister. Oh, that's nice. And I thought, weird. <laughs> Strange, isn't it, really? Yeah, I still don't actually believe in psychics. No, I mean, um, I'm, I'm inclined to sort of take everything with a very, very large pinch of salt, but I know some people rely on them, something chronic. Yeah. Uh, I can't, can't get through through the day without consulting. In fact, I believe Nancy Reagan in the White House had a psychic. No, yeah, but my, my first thought was, why can't he come and tell me himself? Yes. Not receptive. Well, I am to most things. Well, it's me too. <laughs> I get messages from the... T- Since my dad died, he knows where I am. He yeah, knows exactly. He knows number. exactly. I put it so, if he's watching, he knows exactly where you are at any time. Why That's would he talk freaky. to some balmy bloke in a scout <laughs> hut to call... Yeah, yeah. I don't want any of my family coming back giving me strange messages. Thank you very much. Oh, there's indeed. some I wouldn't mind coming back, but there's some I don't want coming while they're still alive. Thank you very no, much. No, well, I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same. The phone rings. Oh, no. Yeah, my, my, aunt, my auntie Enid again on the phone. On the door. Friends, welcome. <laughs> family by appointment. <laughs> All good stuff. June, nice to talk to you. Have a nice day. So there you go. So she has been to a psychic, but not, not, not properly psychic. She's actually had a psychic contact her. There's a couple today. You know, you always find at this time of year, there'll be somebody who's got a light bulb or a set of Christmas tree lights. It's been going for the last 500 years. And uh, there's a couple today in the paper, and it's Gareth and Emma Howells. And they've got a New World Gas of home in 1953. And it's still, it's still in good use. Isn't that lovely? It looks quite nice, actually. I think I had one of these when I rented a place. You know, it's got the dial above the oven. It's just got the one oven. People now have two ovens, and this, it's all very posh in the kitchen. You know, this is a steam oven, and this one does this thing here, and this one goes, and this is halogen, and this, and you, you slide this thing across. You look, there's a sink. Good heavens above, you know. And here's a little thing, and you go, and you get aerated water. I mean, Mark, things you can have in kitchens now. Gone are the days of, you know, a kitchen. I remember years ago, I had a kitchen put in. It was 1,600, and we never had it done because it was too much money from the gas board. And then a friend of mine had one put in. He said, it's £24,000. What? 24000 on a kitchen. But apparently you can spend... Hundreds of thousands of pounds on a kitchen. Clive Christian, I think they have offices all over the place. They always have these lovely-looking kitchens. And they start at something like, I don't know, some goodness knows what sort of amount of money. But all the ones have got chandeliers in. Have you ever been in a kitchen with a chandelier in it? Well, that sounds really, really posh. You know, in my day, it was just paper lanterns and, you know, things like that. Which I quite like. Now it's just sort of small little spotlights everywhere. But uh, they actually cook on Gasmark 1953. And it fits in really well. It's one of those slide-out cookers, so it's got four, four burners, a thing at the top which you put your plates in for keeping the plates warm. It's a bit like going caravanning, I, I suppose. Something like that. Um, Jane Seymour is 60. 60! This is what I'm saying to you now, that people who are 50, 60, 70, it's, it's the new 90 and 100, isn't it? It really is. You meet lots and lots of people now who say, you know, I'm, I'm 63, and you go, you don't look it. But I don't know what we're supposed to look like, or what you're supposed to look like at 60. I'm not lumping myself in the same category, you can understand. You know, at the age of 41, it's not easy to remember my age half the time. It was 43 a moment ago, but it's 41 now. I've just realised I, I made myself too old. I've decided I'm starting to go backwards now, which actually isn't too difficult in my frame of mind. Now I'm going to start injecting in my arm. It's all very confusing. 06, uh, no, 0845 6060 973. It's LBC 97.3 at 6.30. From the LBC 97.3 News Centre, I'm Holly Ford. 
All 57 Liberal Democrat MPs abstained from a House of Commons vote last night. Morning, 27 minutes to 7. It's LBC 97.3. Raw Variety performance tonight. That's uh, showing on the television. Peter Kay hosting from Salford Keys in front of uh, Princess Anne. And they've got uh, Il Devo, Barry Manilow, Leona Lewis, Tony Bennett, uh, Pixie Lott, Hayley Westenra, uh, Jai McDowell, Britain's Got Talent winner. Comedy from uh, the host himself, plus Jason Manford, Greg Davis, Tim Minchin, Omar Jalili. And performances by Adam Cooper and the West End cast of Singing in the Rain, Penn and Teller Stomp. And uh, and other people as well. So should be fairly busy, I think, uh, over in Salford, which they did the other week. So enjoy that one. We're talking about people... Reti- Sorry, indigestion. I've just drunk a cup of tea a little bit too fast for that one. I'm a, a very young 72-year-old, says Jean, and I have no problems keeping occupied in my retirement years. But the key thing is plan for every day. The motto is try and achieve something different. Every day, no matter how small it is, I get lots of market research jobs off the internet, having registered with various companies. And yesterday, I went to one in Hoban, where a German company wanted to discuss their new insulin pens they wanted to bring out. And although I'm a diabetic and on pills, I had to demonstrate that I would know how to use these pens and understand the leaflet. I got £50 cash for 45 minutes, and I find that these little assignments were a wonderful hobby, and you get to see different parts of London and the home counties at the same time. So it's a good thing, isn't it? That is actually quite a nice idea when you can get... I do see these ladies doing this market research, and I often wondered where you, where you get that uh, from. You know, and it's obviously on the internet. You just register with all, all different sorts of companies, and then they, uh, they sort of phone you up and say, would you like to go to Hoban? So off, off you trot to Hoban. Well, actually, strange. I'm just watching a woman on the television. Doing, I don't know what she was doing, actually. Perhaps she was injecting. She was injecting, but never in a way I've seen. In her arm! <laughs> Good grief. Uh, I see that the Reverend Canon John Magumba is going to prison. He's a bent vicar, I'm afraid. I haven't found a, a bent vicar for a long while. Uh, he's staged fake marriages. 31 of them. He helped illegal immigrants tie the knot with fake partners. He's pocketed £8,500. He's not God-fearing at all. He's a very nasty little piece of work. He's arrested in March after the UK border agency launched an investigation and yesterday pleaded guilty to conspiracy to breach immigration laws by conducting two sham marriages and two counts of theft. But he's going to be sentenced on Jan the 19th and uh, there's a very good chance he's going to prison. So there you go. You'll have a chance to reflect on your crimes. I hope they managed to find all the people who've had these fake marriages and they've been deported because that's the only reason people stay in the country is to cheat the benefit system. We've had loads of those, haven't we? Loads and loads. And also slightly perturbed, slightly perturbed by the fact that uh, job cuts have been announced at the DVLA. They're apparently going to close 39 regional offices and move work to the DVLA's Swansea headquarters. It'll save them only 29 million a year, 28 million, which doesn't seem a lot, does it? But they're they're going to do that and then move it all to Swansea. I've only ever spoken to Swansea. I didn't know that you could speak to anybody else with these uh, with these kind of things. Uh, on the front of a lot of the papers this morning, this terribly sad, sad story of Richard Smith, his wife Claire and sons Ben and Aaron. Uh, it turns out that um, there was a row, they say. He ended up stabbing them all to death and then killing himself. And so it's just a tragic waste, isn't it? As, as they say here... Uh, he flipped over a row over another woman. They're probing the theory that he stabbed his wife Claire and sons Ben and Aaron following a Christmas party with Santa at Pubsy in Leeds. And it's, it's made a lot of the papers because it's so tragic. You don't understand how. There was somebody the other day, there was somebody the other day who had killed their, their children to get back at the wife. 
and you think, these people must be seriously disturbed if you can do stuff like that. You know, the, I mean, Aaron is only one, and Ben was nine, and Mum Claire was 36. And uh, somebody said yesterday, I don't know what made him flip, something must have gone wrong, really wrong. Well, that would have to be, wouldn't it? I mean, to add, even if, you know... <laughs> You can't, can't even put yourself in that situation. We've all been in a situation whereby, you know, you just feel so awful about something, but never probably to actually go that far as to actually kill your entire family. More in the paper today on this web of deceit, which we've discovered from you. You're not remotely bothered about it. It's only the papers who are bothered about this. The BBC used tame spiders in a documentary because that's the only way that you can actually sort of get these things. Strangely enough, Therese Coffey, a Tory MP, says, I will never again watch a BBC Nature programme in the same way. Well, you must be dim, because this has been going on since, since they opened up the Bristol unit. It goes on all the time. What they've done is they've got real film of kids hunting spiders, and then to watch what it does in its nest... I mean, you know, if a spider's in its nest, it's not going to take kindly to having a camera put in there. So they create an artificial nest, so they can see what, what the what the deadly spider does in there. I mean, that just makes common sense, doesn't it? It's like you don't think when they made Ben-Hur, they actually killed people in it. You know, when they did Battle of the Bulge or Battle of the Little Big Horn, they didn't really kill people. They just pretended to. They showed you what it was like. Only in this thing, they dummy it up. But have an MP saying, I'll never again watch a BBC Nature programme. Like, well, don't watch them then. Don't watch them, for goodness sake. Drive me mad. I do not understand how anybody could ever get their knickers in a twist over that talking of knickers. 24 million pairs of knickers will be bought this Christmas and about half of them will never, ever be worn because the, wife, the, the husband sees them in the store and go, she'll look good in that. And he takes it home and the wife goes, if you think I'm putting that on for you, you've got another thing coming. All sorts of strange things. So don't, don't buy them knickers this year. Don't buy them knickers. Get them something nice. And if, you, if you're going to buy perfume for your wife, girlfriend, or whatever it happens to be, find out what they use. Don't just see something on a market stall and go, we'll have that. Because they won't, they won't want to wear it. Sarah, morning. Good morning, Steve. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you. Like my mornings, you do. Thank you. It's nice. I deliberately get up early. To listen <laughs> to you. I'm a little bit like sort of tea and toast, I suppose. You certainly are. Thank you. You certainly are. Um, you were talking about respect earlier on when you were saying, you know, letting someone on the bus and a lad jumps in front yes. of everything. I'm 44. I've been disabled for seven, eight years. I walk with two crutches, and the amount of doors I have had slammed in my face. It's appalling. Um, as bad as having, you know, parking in the disabled bay and people mouthing off at me. Yeah. I mean, my daughters are very, very protective. I bet. Um, and they're like, oh, excuse me. You know, mm. somebody looks at me. It, it seems to be always the older people because I try and look the best I can. Yes. But in agony all the time. They seem to think there's nothing wrong with me, even though I'm walking on two crutches. Um, and the amount of abuse I have had mm. is unbelievable. I get more respect from younger people yeah. than I do from older people. I'm I mean, amazed at... 68. Yeah, I'm... And she's I'm like spring chicken, she Yes. I mean, I, I watch people queuing for buses, and then the bus arrives, the door's open, and then it's, it's a free-for-all. I mean, I was always taught, you know, respect your elders. But nowadays, it's more like, excuse me, you know, everybody has to earn respect. You don't just get it on a plate. No, I mean, but I've, I've, yesterday we did the story about the woman who turns up for the EasyJet flight with her guide dog, and the yes. woman behind the desk queries whether it's a guide dog. Yeah, it's based on it as a guide dog. 
Well, I mean, it, it was, I mean, because it, it was a cross between a poodle and a Labrador, obviously the woman there thought that all guide dogs were, were just Labradors. Uh, and yet she had the harness, she had everything else on. So they had to wait while they phoned the Guide Dogs Association to find out if it was a registered guide dog. When it was, by the time they got all that back, she'd missed her flight. I know, it's disgusting. I mean, and you I've... think the woman behind the counter has got to be the dimmest woman you've ever met at Gatwick Airport. Oh, well, Here's a blind are... woman with a dog and you've not recognised that. There are so many several, there uh... are so many people like that. You know, I go and do shopping and say, do you want a bag? Well, of course I want a bag. How am I supposed to carry it? Well, that's my favourite one. <laughs> my favourite one. They always go, you, you, you've, you've got 20 items. They go, would you like a bag? And I always say, because they're, they're generally people who don't have a sense of humour, I go, no, it's all right. I'll just balance it on my ears and walk out the shop. <laughs> oh, what <laughs> do they ask you? How am I supposed to carry it? I know. You know, and I have to, you know, even things like boxes of washing powder. I'm like, can, can somebody get one? Oh, I'll just get somebody for you. Like, yes. Why can't you do it? Yes. It's, I mean, you're there. Oh, the service is awful. We were, we went the other day. My friend Lynn's trying to buy this Christmas tree. So we go to Zion Park, where they've got a... It's, it's all lovely, and I've done a documentary on the house before. And we go into the garden centre, into the Christmas bit. There's nobody in there. There's nobody working at all. And so she wanted an assistant to find out the price of a tree. So she sees this woman and says, oh, excuse me. And this woman's holding two rolls of paper, but she's quite clearly a member of staff because she's wearing the outfit. But she's on the phone. And she said, oh, no, there's somebody through there. And sort of just stick... And then loads of people kept coming up to this woman... And they kept sort of shoving them through the other side. And you think, where's the service gone? I know. I mean, I used to work in shops many, many years ago. And I've also worked in schools as well. Mm. Um, and I always used to, you know, respect my customers and, and things like that. And they were the same back to me. Yeah. You know, and even with working with, you know, emotionally disturbed children, it's, you know, well, if I'm getting in the middle of a fight between six foot, two six-foot-plus boys... Yes. Yeah, and they both got chairs. I'm like, right, who's going to hit me first? <laughs> Not going to touch you, miss. Or sit down and do your work then. It's amazing, <laughs> isn't it, really? I mean, why have we become, you know, and, and the older I get, you know, as I'm now 39, I, uh, you know, it's, it's a, people just seem to be ruder. They're ruder and ruder and ruder. And I'm thinking, I want to turn it all around again. I want people to be proud. I want them to be nice. I want them to be, I want them to hang on a bit, actually, because uh, we've got the news coming up very shortly. This is LBC Steve Allen. Morning, coming up 10 to 7, it's LBC 97.3, with Nick Ferrari after the news at 7. Looking at the papers today, this will be interesting. The former Chief of Police for Los Angeles and New York, Bill Bratton, is also Boston's Police Commissioner, so he'll be going through and finding out. Probably we have exactly the same stories over here that they get over to the side of the pond. He'll be uh, talking, I suppose, about how the, the, uh, the Met dealt with the London riots, his relationship with David Cameron... And uh, Nick will also be looking into this new report on why men could face criminal charges for bullying their partners. Goes on all the time now. Um, Nyla is a diabetic and is 10 years old and says, I inject my arm, my leg, my tummy. I'm up for school. I'm glad to hear you speaking about us diabetics because at 10 years old, it's important. We have to have to look after ourselves, have to make sure we get all the, uh, the right treatment. Tony says there may be something in psychics. Have you ever heard of a fortune teller winning the lottery? No. They can't predict things like that. They can get a message from the other side, but they can't predict anything. So they can't tell you horse racing results. They can't tell you all the things you want. To, nobody wants to know about anybody from the other side. They can sit on clouds, as far as I'm concerned, for donkey's years. But I, and I do want to know the winning lottery numbers, as indeed do we all. Morning, Joan. Good morning. Morning. Hello. Hello. I just, I heard earlier this, evening, this morning, you were talking about someone had a new, new world gas cooker. Yes, since 1953. Well, we've had 
ours, I don't know from when, but it's just, we use one, and never thought of it as being old, it's just the same, and it works as good as new, and it, it's perfectly lovely. Well, do you know the year it dates from? I, I don't think, I, I don't, I don't know, it's, it's ever so old. But it's I mean, very old. <laughs> it still works as new, and we still put the plates at the side, and we still, you know, it's, we use this, it's just the same. And is it, and it, it, it's gas, isn't it? It's gas. Uh, there's obviously something with these New World cookers, because I used to have a New World cooker in a, in a flat I rented oh, donkeys years ago, and it was, it was just reliable. You turned on the, yeah. the hob and it lit up. It's lovely. Yeah, I love... And I you really... use it for providing heat in the kitchen as well? Yes. Yeah. The, the thing is, um, people have tried to talk to me, you know, friends, and say, oh, get a nice modern kitchen, oh, come oh, on, Joe, get yourself a lovely, a lovely modern gas stove. And I say, no, what's wrong with this one? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, if it works... Why would yeah. you bother changing it? It's wonderful. I, I don't... I just tell older people they shouldn't change and get more modern things. Stick to the things they've got. Yeah, and do, do you do baking in it? I do the usual, you know. Yeah. I don't do, cook very much because we don't... We're, bit, we're old, but... but right. um, uh, I just I just was amazed when I heard you talking about this woman. Yes. As though it was ancient, and I'm thinking, well, you know, mine must be... You know, my, I couldn't believe that mine's ancient. I just think of it as my oven. Yes, you never uh, think... Well, because years ago, people didn't... You know, you, you, you had a kitchen. You might have put some, some, you know, some pictures up on the wall or a couple of cupboards, but there wasn't much in kitchens years ago. No. We've, we've also got one of those things where you hang your cups up and put your... You, you put... I don't know what they call them, dressers, maybe. Oh, yes, it's a dresser, yes. And it's all, it's all built into, into the wall. Oh, wow. And, and, and with, with, with the cupboards underneath and, and drawers, big, great big drawers we pull out, we put our cutlery in and that sort of stuff. Yours sounds like a functional kitchen, you know. Yeah, we haven't done much to it. It's the same old, old kitchen. Well, well listen, if, if, if it works for you two, why would yes. you worry? No, I know exactly. But isn't it funny? And I just would like, I just want to stress the people, the older people, to try not to be talked into making their houses modern if they work all right. No, listen, if, if, if it works and you've got something good and reliable, stick with it. Joan, thank you for that. So, another New World fanatic there. Uh, Steve, I retired two weeks ago. Love it. After 48 years of work, I went out and bought the most beautiful Irish setter, 10 months old, and a more loving dog you would uh, be hard pushed to find. See, that's it. I think then, because you get the exercise at the same time, don't you? Which is very good. Uh, Steve, I wish I could get you to a medium I visit. I happened to come across her 100 miles from home, so she couldn't know me. She knew my children's name. My husband was being made redundant. It's a cheering thought, isn't it? Uh, my mother had broken hip. All the messages came through my dad. So there you go. And um, Karen says, my lovely mother-in-law, Dorothy, living in Fulham, is a fabulous 78-year-old. She goes out every day, lives on her own, laughs and chats a lot. If I'm like that at her age, I'll be very happy. Probably alcohol abuse, I should imagine. <laughs> I can say things like that. I only have to trace it back to my auntie Enid. I mean, Lord knows where she's coming from half the time. But uh, but it's entertaining for all of us. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. Uh, one here is Mark says, it'd be nice for me to pass on stuff you no longer need to more deserving people. I've got a couple of decent PCs that I no longer use to upgrade. Do you know, PC, you can't even give them away, PCs now. They're not worth... Is it funny? And I, I know you would think, same as me, that they must, must be worth... Then they're worth nothing at all. Nobody, nobody worries about them, which is awful. Uh, Richard says, I'm going to the Salvation Army Christmas dinner. My third time, I always give money, just to say thank you. you see, it's, this is the, uh, the question of working over the festive season and helping out people less fortunate than yourself. Uh, I've got uh, a disease that makes me look good 
Steve, uh, this is from Jay, who says, your caller is so right, I'm 40 years old, I've got this disease that almost makes me look good. When I feel at my worst, elderly people can sometimes assume so much and be completely wrong. People like Mr Cameron and those who are critical of disabled claimants should have a serious thought on how they make people feel when they make the statements relating to those with disabilities. I am isolated because of lupus and the things that people say can be distressing. I almost feel guilty for looking well. I've got no reason to lie about my issues when talking to social services. I've got enough problems understanding what's happening to me. Well, that was that that little girl who lost her life, you know, the one who, who was diagnosed with cancer since she was two, but little uh, Leia Beth Richards said, I don't want any more treatment. She went on all the television programmes talking about, you know, she didn't want it and she would let nature take its course. Well, she made her parents the proudest on earth and she died five years, five years after she refused the cancer treatment, just 13 years old. They had um, a little pink coffin on a horse-drawn hearse, and that was her last journey. And uh, her parents were very proud of her. She, she made a lot of celebrity friends, in inverted commas, and, uh, and she was very brave, because I don't know how the rest of I'm going out screaming, I tell you. <laughs> they tell me anything. That's it, I'm, you'll be knowing about it from start to finish on the programme. Oh, God, I'll be the worst person ever. The worst person ever. Uh, Sarah Harding... Is in the papers again. You do worry about the papers that keep, feature, keep featuring Sarah Harding. Don't put her in the papers. This is the wrong image. Let her get on with her life. Let her try and sort it out. Try and be an adult. Try and do something. But if you keep putting her in the papers, it's not helping. Apparently, she checked into this place and discovered they had horse therapy. So they've done a whole feature. She sold her story to Hello magazine. Well, I'm assuming she did. You, you almost wish, for Sarah Harding's sake, stay out of the publicity machine, dear. It's not doing you any good. It's not doing us any good. Nobody's interested. OK, deal with it yourself. Stay away from, from all these sort of things and just try and, you know, get on with your life. Not easy, because you've spent most of your time cultivating publicity and falling in and out of nightclubs, and now it's kind of backfired, and it's, it's, it's not pleasant, I'm afraid. David Beckham and the wife of Furious. Apparently, some lady in America, uh, she's uh, Lady Elizabeth Anston, has said that the Beckhams were not very happy with their seating arrangement for the royal wedding, and the Beckhams have issued a statement saying that they, they were absolutely honoured to be at the royal wedding, and it's utter rubbish to say otherwise. They've never had any dealings with Lady Elizabeth Anson. She's the, she's the party planner. She does all of the, the party things and, and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, Little Mix are poised to be the one-week wonder in the pop charts. They're on course to take the top spot with this ghastly track called Cannonball, whereas I'm going for the, uh, the military wives... And that uh, that nice man who made them all sing. Who apparently, when he turned up the other day, there were more there were more calls for him at the uh, the Come Dancing show than there were for the contestants and for Harry Judd. So I think uh, I wonder if you're going to see Gareth next year, who's the choir master, actually appearing on one of these programmes. I hope not. I think it would cheapen him a little bit. I love the way that he's he's doing stuff and getting on with it. And everybody had such a great time doing it. So good luck to the uh, the soldiers' wives. Because it's going to be such a battle, isn't it? The chart. People do it all the time. They battle for the charts. And it's normally been X Factor. So this year it might be nice to be somebody else. And then Little Mix could be the one-hit wonder, which I think they might be. We shall wait and see. Listen, have yourself uh, a lovely day. Wrap up warm. It's uh, a little bit chilly out there. A little bit windy. Gosh, was it windy yesterday? I've lost half a dozen plants, I'm afraid, yesterday. They're just ripped out by their roots. Uh, I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Check out the LBC website. Have a look at the nice little video that we've made about Twickenham and the Panto photos, the next phase. Nick and the team with you after seven, but not before I tell you that the business update now is with Holly Ford. Thanks, Steve. The FTSE 100 resumes trade.